dedicated to the DC Arrowverse on the CW network. It saved this city. A Flash and Arrow podcast. And now here's your host, Matt Murdock. And welcome to the Save This City podcast covering Flash and Arrow on the CW Network thus far. We're kind of covering a little bit of DC TV all over the place. Next week, remember, uh, Supergirl is going to air on CBS. We might talk about that next week, too. But this week is just Flash and Arrow. We're covering Flash Season 2, Episode 3, Family of Rogues, written by Julian, I'm going to butcher this name, Mioas. And Catherine, going to butcher this name too, uh, Walchek, and directed by John F. Showalter. And we're also covering Arrow, Season 4, Episode 3, Restoration. And uh, this one was written by Wendy Miracle, and I can't get over this name. Uh, Speed Weed is the other writer's name. I'm not kidding. Uh, that's that's just funny. Uh, evidently, the guy has had the nickname Speed since he was a kid, and so he's just always used it. Um, and uh, it was directed by uh, Wendy Stanzler. Uh, so uh, those are the episodes. My name is Matt Murdick, and I am, of course, from Save This City Podcast dot WordPress. Com. That's your one-stop shop for all things as to how to contact the podcast. It has back episodes of the podcast. It also has uh, podcatcher links. And if you could leave me a review, a written review, on iTunes and Stitcher, it would be very much appreciated. That helps me get more noticeable among other great podcasts about Flash and Arrow. Uh, and that way our community grows and we have more thoughts and, and more sharing of ideas uh, if more people are listening. So thanks in advance if you leave me a review on Stitcher or on iTunes. Um, at one of these points, I'm going to go back and look and, and just thank all the people who have left reviews so far. I'm kind of scared to look right now because I'm afraid there aren't any reviews, to be perfectly honest. Uh, but anyway, uh, as far as contacting me, if you have any thoughts about uh, the week's episodes and can get them to me by, say, 7 a.m. your time, wherever you are in the world, on Thursday, uh, then I'll be happy to read them. We have an email from Justin, which I'll get to in our feedback uh, section. Uh, how do you send that email? Save this city podcast at gmail.com. Or you can also call the Rewatching Good TV listener line, 314 669 1840. Or you can tweet at Save This City Pod on Twitter with any thoughts you have about each week's episode, and I'll include them in our feedback section. All right, that's enough about the podcast. Let's talk about Flash first. I, the first thing I guess I ought to say is so much for all of my crazy theorizing. I mean, evidently in this world, a breach is just a breach. I had said, is Cisco the breach? Is are people the breach? No, no, it's just actually a breach. And man... I gotta say that uh, the effects that they're doing for the breaches really look cool. Um, I know it's just some kind of liquid effect, uh, and they're dressing it up with some with some sparklies, but it's they're doing a really good job with the visual effects this year for the most part. Um, now, I don't have any idea about the physics of how this exists, or even the explanation that Caitlin and, and Jay Garrick come up with as to how it can be stabilized uh, by the end. I mean. 
that that could just be all gobbledygook for I know. And and one thing I have sometimes have a trouble with, which I'll talk about in the Arrow episode, is how um, this show use tries to use science to explain things that I would rather just remain mystical. Um, but for the most part, it it doesn't really matter to me this stuff that they're throwing out there. It all sounded cool. Um, which is something that I won't say for some of the science in the Arrow episode, but we'll get to that when I get to it. Um, I'm kind of tired of wrapping my head around all of the time travel stuff and the physics and whether it's theoretical or whether it's just gobbledygook, like I said. Um, I just kind of want to be entertained, and um, this is going to be an entertaining aspect of the story, having this bridge uh, between these two worlds. And it even played kind of funny this week, from Barry flying in and out of it, um, and it became fun because you see this relationship developing between Caitlin and Jay. Uh, I'll get more to that in a second. Um, the man who came to dinner at the end, Harrison Wells. I mean, here, here's the thing. I mean, is he, was that implying that he's now in our universe? Um, was that him? Was it Harrison Wells? I'm not sure. I, I didn't quite catch it, but I mean, how would he be able to come through if you have to be fast to make it through like zoom or Barry? Uh, would he, does that mean that he is zoom? Is he an alternate Thon in or is he an earth Two Thon come back the same way? Um, I mean, there's just a bunch of questions. So I don't know. Uh, maybe the stabilization made it to where anyone can go through. Cause Jay even seemed to think that, that once it was stabilized, even though he had lost his speed powers, he, he might be able to go through. So, uh, could Harrison just be Harrison? And what would that mean? Back to Caitlin and Jay. Uh, remember that thing I told you about the whole CW mandate must be love triangles. Uh, I feel like that, that's a big rubber stamp that gets put on every script that the CW gets. Um, and given the flames that we saw come from Stein and the fact that Caitlin obviously really likes Jay. I can't help but feel it. At some point, we're going to get Ronnie back. Uh, and maybe they're starting to sow the seeds of some kind of love triangle now. Which is unfortunate because I really like the whole Caitlyn-Jay thing, to be perfectly honest. It's okay. It's not uh, something that I dislike. But Ronnie's going to throw a wrench in it and then we're all going to be torn. And that's what the CW does. The other place where I feel like the CW mandate is kind of getting wedged into place is the whole Patty and Barry thing. I won't say that it isn't earned. I mean, I, I think that Grant and, and Chantel, the, the actors, are both doing a great job at playing it up. But I still wonder how the, they're getting to this point so fast. And then you have, of course, Barry, who is probably still in love with Iris and just kind of hoping for her to get over Eddie's death um, he isn't going to be ready for Patty's advances that you see here but the the seed is now kind of sown so just at the right time we're going to have a, a, a Patty Berry Iris triangle going on I mean wait for it I'm telling you it's going to happen um, and like I said it just seems like the CW just kind of demands these things I can't imagine the writers are going at this completely um, just from their own heads, uh, because it, there's got to be just these CW stamps that say stuff like, you know, more love triangles, more potential teen angst. And I guess you could say basically with the whole teen angst thing, 
uh, we can kind of turn to Iris. The whole bit about her mother. I mean, it was interesting to see Joe be the advice taker uh, rather than the advice giver as far as Barry was concerned. And I really have no idea where this Francine West thing is going. But uh, one thing, uh, if there was a rubber stamp on more teen angst... (laughs) Uh, in this particular for this particular episode, it seems like the writers ignored it because we had Iris react like a responsible, mature adult to Joe telling her the truth, uh, rather than you know some kid flying off the handle and hating her father and blah blah blah. Um, so uh, I mean, I'm glad that the the showrunners acknowledge that these are twenty somethings. These are people who are more mature. Um, the, the teen angst thing isn't going to work. And the scene between Iris and Joe was really nice. Um, so I, I didn't have a problem with that. Um, I still don't know why Francine is important as far as the series goes. We'll have to see what that means. Maybe she will help Iris get over Eddie uh, just in time for that love triangle between Patty and Barry and Iris. Uh, uh. Uh, anyway, I guess that takes care of most of the the stuff character-wise that really didn't have all of that huge impact on me, other than creating kind of a mild disinterest. Um, but let's move on to the stuff that really grabbed me about this app, other than the breach thing. Uh, I've already talked about that, but I love the opening this week of Barry having Iris jump out of a window to get away. Um, it was great and funny. It was lighthearted, and once they're down there, it's like there are a couple of kids who just rode that big roller coaster for the first time. They're laughing, and they're excited, and you get that whole, can't wait to tell my friends about this thing, basically. I mean, that's what uh, that's what she's going to write. She's going to write her story. Um, I mean, I love how that kind of really kind of demonstrates a trust and a friendship that Barry and Iris are sharing right now, um, despite any feelings that they might have had in the past. I, I love how there's no over drama in it. It's like, there's no, this, I saved you because I loved you. There's no, I'm mad at you because you endangered your life because you're too ambitious. It's just basically Iris saying, I'm in trouble. Please come. And Barry saying, I'm here. Uh, glad it worked out for you, but please be careful next time. Just, just things that friends would say. It's, it's like, I almost feel like we're seeing their friendship. Like when they were younger kids, uh, without the teen angst attached. So, love that. Of course, one thing that I truly, truly loved about this episode was the snarts. You can't not talk about the snarts, right? I gotta say that Daddy Snart didn't really impress me all that much. Uh, I, and I can I can never um, get into an expansion of a family, especially when you have characters so strong as Leonard and Lisa. I was even a little resistant to Lisa at first, but, um, she really has grown on me over the few episodes she's been in. And so Leonard and Lisa, I think they're great. I think Wentworth Miller and, and Peyton List do a fantastic job with those characters. And I feel like the writers, uh, have really developed those characters in just kind of a handful of episodes. And, and so they are kind of favorites of mine. I, I love that Leonard will do anything to protect his sister, including this. I love that Lisa loves her brother so much that she's willing to go to a group of people that she mostly despises, um, save Cisco, I guess, uh, for help. Speaking of Cisco, he didn't have any superpower going on this week. That was kind of interesting, but I guess because we're getting all this stuff with him and Lisa, 
uh, you didn't really need to throw an extra curveball into Cisco this week. Um, I don't know. It feels like the showrunners are just kind of trying to throw potential relationships against the wall, hoping that one of them will stick. Uh, and I kind of feel like this one would stick with me, a Cisco Lisa Snart uh, Golden Glider ship. I don't even know what you would call that. Like Cisnart? Snartsco? Uh, Golden Cisco? I don't know. Uh, I'll have to check with Tumblr because I, I'm betting there's already an official name for that ship out there. Uh, but uh, that that one's I'll, I'll I'll buy into. That's actually one that I'll I'll buy into. Um, I'm still kind of like Cisco in the fact that I'm not sure I buy everything Lisa says or said. Um, but the thing you have to love is that for Cisco, um, it didn't really matter, uh, whether Lisa was lying or anything like that up, up front. Lisa was a human life and, and I think it shows how Cisco, you know, covets human life above all else. He's, he's, he values it. Uh, he can't value it as anything other than precious, precious. So he had to help, uh, he had to help Lisa remove whatever that was. Um, and, you know, I, I can't even begin to understand what the whole traces of whatever residue, uh, were on that guy that daddy snart blew up or why the device was needed to remove it from Lisa. But, um, I did love the scenes that the story created. So again, I kind of dismissed some of the bad science to all of it, uh, which I could do in the arrow show. I don't know why in some, sh- it's like I'm picking and choosing my battles, but in some episodes I can let the bad science go. And in some places I'm just kind of like scratching my head and thinking that it took me out of the story. Maybe that's why. Oh, and by the way, uh, as long as we're talking about the snarts, Leonard is still a complete badass. I hate to say it, but I actually liked him taking Daddy out. I really did. Um, I wasn't a fan of, of Daddy Snart at all. Um, he just seemed like a, a, a thug and kind of uninteresting. And I like that they've kind of only used him for a single episode and made him a bad guy to even our bad guys. I also really like the fact that Leonard allowed himself to be taken to prison. Um, although I don't know if he had that much of a choice, um, but like he says, it he won't be in there very long. We can guarantee that. What about Stein though? Uh, I know I kind of mentioned it at the beginning. Um, we're obviously going to get more answers to that next week based on the previews of the ep. Um, and, uh, hopefully they'll, they'll give us some more, uh, Harrison Wells too, because these little pieces, um, being drug out here and there, it's kind of starting to wear on me a little bit. We need to have some uh, accelerated development of that, at least to me. Uh, in conclusion, I guess for Flash, uh, I did like this episode more than last week's, I think. Um, for one, Barry didn't kill anybody, and we find out in the Arrow episode that they, even an Earth-2 metavillain, Double Down, uh, just gets locked away as opposed to killed. So that's great. Um, two, they didn't turn the whole Iris mom thing into too much of an episode of Dawson's Creek, (laughs) at least not yet anyway. And, uh, three, I mean, Leonard and Lisa Snart are awesome. And I hope that they come back to the show as often as they possibly can. Um, and four, I guess finally, I walked away from the episode with two new ships. 
Caitlin and Jay. And of course, the other ship is is kind of the Cisco Lisa one. Um, that one's really fraught with irony, and it has absolutely great potential to me because of that. Um, well, okay, until we find out that she's using him for something later down the line, perhaps. But I'll worry about that when it happens. In the meantime, I can still ship them. Um, so I guess that's my big four reasons. Anyway, I'm going to rate this one an 8.5, guys. Um, I really like this episode a whole lot. Um, what would you rate it? Let me know. Tweet me at Save the City Pod, or you can send an email to Save the City Podcast at gmail.com, or you can leave a voicemail by calling 314 669 1840. Let's move on to Arrow. Now, I don't know if I'll have quite as much to say about Arrow this week because I actually just watched it right prior to recording, so I'm still kind of processing stuff. It's been a busy week, sorry. Um, that doesn't mean that I didn't really like this episode. I, as I've been saying all podcasts, there's some funky science that I wasn't really into. The whole DNA stuff, um, <laughs> I guess that's a true way to steal an identity, isn't it? Um, but there, there's real no explanation of how it's possible. Uh, like Felicity said, the the ghost operative's tooth, it should just be a pile of goo. Um, on the other hand, you might say... But Matt, you can't buy the DNA thing, but you can buy Sarah coming back. And yes, this is what I'm talking about. I can buy it because I'd much rather have mysticism in a superhero world um, than something explained as scientific with no actual basis in science. Now, there might be some mysticism involved in this DNA thing that just hasn't been revealed yet, of course. Um, I'm waiting to see on that. It's possible that Damien Dark, whose powers were... Wow, just way fantastic this week with, when he demonstrated them with uh, Double Down. Um, that maybe he has the power of way, of hiding DNA or making it look uh, incomplete with his own kind of brand of mysticism, which we haven't figured out yet. Um, I would think that logistically it would be tough for him to have to reach out to every soldier and, and affect them that way, but I suppose it's possible. Uh, I'm just not really thrilled with the DNA findings that we have so far that Team Green Arrow currently has, I guess. Um, and and I guess, I, I, let me just continue about Dark right here. I mean, three words, yes, yes, yes. This is the Damien Dark that we saw in the season premiere. Um, much better than just the kind of wandering thug that we saw last week. Um, I thought that Damien Dark was absolutely fantastic this week. He is back to being just scary, um, at least to me. I, I, this is going to be a, a great season as long as he's in it, um, as long as they don't stray back to that just kind of thug thing uh, like they did last week too often. And I kind of mentioned this before, but I also want to say that it was nice to hear that an Earth 2 metahuman didn't get killed in Central City this time. Uh, it sounds like Felicity says by the end of the episode that Cisco uh, has Jeremy Tell double down uh, in custody and he's not in a grave. Um, that means Barry's not killing people anymore. That's good. Um, and I'm pretty sure that Felicity did say he was an Earth 2 metahuman, right? Near the beginning of the episode. Maybe I'm wrong, but let me know if I am. Um, anyway, it, it's fantastic, uh, that Barry goes through the whole Flash episode without killing anybody, even though Leonard did kill somebody, but he didn't. 
Um, and uh, evidently this one with Double Down, he's not having to kill him either. So that's great. I, w- I was kind of worried about that, as you know, listening in the, in the prior podcasts. Now, as for Double Down himself, uh, he was a decent threat, especially when you consider that he's really kind of there just to serve the purpose of getting Diggle and Oliver back on the same page together. And as far as his abilities, the nice thing about metahumans, again, there's a scientific explanation for what happened to them, uh, but you don't have to explain how their powers work. Um, So I don't really consider that bad science. I still kind of put that in the mysticism realm. Uh, myself and uh, Double Down was certainly uh, enough of a sufficient threat uh, to make this episode interesting and hopefully maybe we'll, we'll see him somewhere down the line again because um, he was pretty cool now as for the Diggle and Oliver thing um, while getting them to a place where they could trust each other again was I guess slightly soap opera-ish uh, I did like that we have the resolution now early on in the season because I think if you kept dragging this out it would make the show much more soap opera uh, than giving them this up to work it out um, kind of in an intense fashion and getting it over and done with. I I did really feel bad for Diggle in terms of his one lead, this Mina Fayad uh, really turning up nothing about Hive. Obviously, the Hive thing is an overall season arc, much like the League of Assassins uh, was last year. Um, I do like that Oliver didn't hold Diggle holding that secret. Uh, He didn't really hold it over his head. I mean, he did make that line, but it was actually done in a way where he was dismissing it as uh, understandable. And... I guess really when you think about it, we have Felicity to thank for Diggle and Oliver kind of burying the hatchet, right? I mean, Felicity was great in this episode. She was mothering both of them, yelling at them, first trying to encourage them to be together and then just flat out not having it anymore. She said, this is it. You're going to sit here until you work it out. Um, and then later on in the episode when Double Down's going after him, it's <laughs> the way she handles that machine gun, that was that was both fierce and and hilarious. I, I loved it, it, that. She can't even look at what she's firing at, uh, but she's willing to do it. She's willing to stand up and, and take the chance uh, in order to help out her friend Curtis Holt. Um, and I also like that Curtis Holt is in on her, at least her part of the secret. Um, I, I like the Curtis Holt character a lot, and I hope he becomes kind of more of an integral part of the team. Um, in the future, maybe not on the inside. I don't think he needs to hang out in the lair with him, but he can be somebody that Felicity reaches out to for help, you know, when she needs it, when she needs more scientific help, because he may even be, uh, more scientific, uh, than her. I can't wait to see where that goes because I don't know if Curtis Holt is in comics or not. I'll be perfectly honest. If you do, uh, feel free to tweet at me at Save This City Pod, or you can send an email to Save This City Podcast at gmail dot com, or you can call three one four six six nine one eight four zero. The other thing about Felicity, though, is this whole phone thing that's going on. Her phone freaking out and everything, and then she gets this message. Um, I have no clue. Again, uh, maybe this is a comic thing. I, I have no idea, but I have no clue what this is about. So. Um, if you have any ideas or maybe we'll see it developed a little bit more in the next episode, uh, who knows? Um, but I'd, I'd love to hear any thoughts you have about that as well. 
Um, who is trying to reach out to Felicity and why? Now, uh, let's go over across, well, I was going to say across the narrow sea from my Game of Thrones podcast, but let's go across the sea to the League of Assassins. Um, first off, man, Barrowman is back. Uh, John Barrowman was so good in this episode. I just love the intensity that he brings uh, to his performance. Uh, and I love seeing Malcolm Merlin and Nyssa, too. I mean, I love that they haven't just had Nyssa's hatred for, for Merlin diminish. It hasn't diminished in the slightest, obviously. Um, and as far as the storyline for Thea and Laurel goes, uh, this whole bit about the bloodlust is fine. I'll chalk that up to the mystical. Uh, and I think that maybe Merlin, you know, knowing this truth, he was trying to help Thea in the only way that he believed he could. Um, now, there's no denying that it's terrible, of course, but he I don't think he's the kind that really tends to think outside of the box too often. He knows what he knows, and he knows how to deal with it in the way that he knows. And uh, let's face it, Merlin sees himself as the hero in his own story, uh, as any good villain does, right? And I think that uh, this is the only way that he thinks he can save his daughter and be her hero, uh, in a way. And now we have to wonder what that's going to mean for Thea somewhere down the line. Um, she's going to have to satisfy her bloodlust again somewhere. The bloodlust is just satisfied for now. Um, and Merlin seemed to indicate that there's a step beyond satisfying the bloodlust that perhaps uh, there's something worse on the other side of it because it'll only work for a while. Or maybe he just meant that you can kill somebody and that will temporarily fix it. I don't know. Um the line that got me in the episode, though, before Sarah was brought back was Merlin saying that he was going to revive Sarah, not only because he was helping Laurel, but that it would ease Thea's conscience. To me, that felt extremely cold uh, and very Malcolm Merlin. I mean, it was just cold to the bone because you're told that the bloodlust can only be completely satisfied by killing the person that killed you. Uh, and so you absolutely knew that Sarah was going to go after Thea and probably will continue to go after Thea unless they find a solution for this. They managed to stop her this time. But I mean, Thea is just in trouble in lots of ways. She's either going to be killed or she's going to be a killer. Um, maybe we should bump Thea up to the top of the list of the potential people in that grave in the flash forward. Uh, in the first week. I don't know. What do you think? Let me know. Back to Nisa, uh, her talking with Laurel, I thought that was good. I liked that little talk. Nisa seemed to understand, you know, how bad the darkness or the bloodlust is, just as well as Merlin. Um, but she demonstrated more of a conscience about it than anyone else there. I mean, I, I, don't get me wrong. I feel for Laurel wanting to do this. But, I, you know, Nisa pretty much called her out on the why. Uh, she's wanting to do this, and I think she was right. And of course, I love what Nisa did at the end of this episode for several reasons. One, it makes me like her more. Um, two, uh, as I've mentioned in prior podcasts, you just can't have that pit serving as a reset button. Um, and couple that with the fact that there's no cure. Um, that makes things a lot better for me, uh, as opposed to last week's up, I guess. Uh, still, we have to see if there's some kind of cure that might present itself for Sarah and, and Thea somewhere down the line. But maybe the pit is no longer a reset button, at least for everybody else. We'll have to see. 
As for the flashbacks, not a whole lot to say. Um, it is drugs. I was hoping that it wasn't just drugs, but it is. And this is one called Slam. I, I can't help but feel that it has to play some larger part in the current day seasonal arc. But I sure don't have any clue as to what it is yet. Um, and like I said before, I don't need another venue just to see Oliver acting like a hero. Um, I really don't need it. I mean, it's fine. Don't get me wrong. Uh, it's fine. Uh, but I feel like that by him doing this now, they eventually, they somehow have to get him back to that dark place that he was before he returns from the island uh, in the current day of season one, I mean. So, um, I'm the, the thing I keep looking for in flashbacks is to see that rather than Oliver being more like all of present day Oliver with each flashback that goes on. And that's all I have to say about the episode. Uh, 8.5 for this one too. Uh, mainly because you got Barrowman back. Uh, I love the dark, his, his powers and, and how ferocious he was this week. Love Felicity. Um, even though I'm not a big fan of the reset button, I love that Sarah is back. Can't wait to see how they develop that with Thea. Um, lots of good stuff, uh, to set up, uh, further stuff down the season line. And, uh, that's it for the arrow. I got some feedback for you to listen to as well. Feedback. Your thoughts on this week's episodes email from Justin. Thanks, Justin, for sending in this email. It says, hey, Matt, here's my two cents for this week's episode. On Flash 203, Father of the Year Award has to go to old Mr. Snart. I mean, putting your children directly in harm's way repeatedly for personal gain. Man, that guy is awful. Conversely, Joe doing what he felt he had to do in order to keep his child out of harm's way, he actually deserves the real award. The Flash, everyone bringing families together with the best of fathers and the worst. (laughs) Uh, Barry, using his speedy fingers to crack the code, was a cute display of his power. But come on, surely it would have locked up and maybe even sounded an alarm, like after three tries. Uh, Looks like Caitlin has a crush on the older Flash guy, which is good for her. Professor Stein is seizing blue flames. Poor thing. And what is Harrison Wells up to? As far as Arrow 403, original team Arrow back together for the win. Of course, Diggle was having none of it at first, but I'm glad he and Oliver are back on track. Felicity in general has gotten back on my good side in these first few episodes, and the Elicity ship is slowly growing on me. I don't know about you, Matt, but Damien Dark was pretty badass this week. His chill factor was definitely on zero. As for the Lazarus Pit, last week you made a mention of the extent in which a person could be brought back. Apparently in the comics, it's up to a year was the longest anyone was dead before being restored. However, that's no longer the issue because the Lazarus Pit is gone. Thank you, Nisa, for that possibly hasty decision. Hopefully she bottled up some of that water for herself before contaminating it. I definitely agree with you, though, about it diminishing the peril we feel for the characters, but it sure was a nifty thing to have lying around. Overall, I thought these were pretty good episodes. I was entertained, and there was nothing I was particularly critical about. 
So there you have it until next week. All right. Thank you, Justin, for that email. You know what? Uh, I didn't even think about uh, Barry cracking the code real fast. Good catch. Uh, That should have been one of my grumblies, too, uh, in terms of bad science. But oh, well, Uh, I missed it. But you got it out there for us on our behalf. I appreciate it. And that's going to do it for this week, guys. Thanks so much for listening. Uh, We'll be back next week with more talk about the CW's Flash and Arrow. In the meantime, don't forget, save the city podcast at gmail.com like Justin did, or you can call 314-669-1840, or you can tweet at Save This City Pod. Take care. Find all back episodes and all contact links at savethiscitypodcast.wordpress.com. If you have feedback, you can leave a voicemail by calling 314-669-1840 or send email to savethiscitypodcast at gmail.com or tweet us at savethiscitypod. Please leave the podcast a written review on whatever app that you use.